You know, we can't take it for granted, the presence of the Lord. The moment we do, then the further that we fall, see. But we have to be appreciative. We have to be appreciative for the presence of God as God manifests Himself. The Bible says that God manifests Himself everywhere there's two or three gathered together in His name. And we put our attention upon God and release our faith in His Word. Then God comes. And as God comes, then all the promises become available at that moment. Praise the Lord. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, won't you open them with me this morning? Merry Christmas! Wow, Merry Christmas, Ronnie, Ramona. Love you guys. Oh, it's so good. Wow. And Jamie, I, I want to compliment you on that word from the Lord. That was so, so real. So, so powerful. How many of you uh, this morning, you believe you received from that word when you were up in the presence of the Lord? Yeah. The healing comes. That's what we're going to talk about, in fact, this morning. We're going to talk about what the Christmas story means to us and, and how God is ministering to our life with it. And how God comes at the moment of our need and, and reveals himself in his presence. For people that stand on God's Word, that's what happens. There's these special moments. Now, if you're out there in doubt and unbelief and discouragement, then that moment probably didn't happen for you. <laughs> but if you're doing everything that you can do to stand on God's Word and to believe God, whatever you're going through, then God provides these special, miraculous moments. Amen. On the open Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 25, although I want to say a little bit prior to the reading of that scripture. The first week that we talked about Christmas, we, we talked about the benefits of His presence. And that's what we're looking at this year. We're at this Christmas season, not only at this season, but expanding throughout the coming year. See, there's powerful promises of God in His Word that release God to be God. <laughs> but those promises become more real to us in the sense of the presence of God. And so it must be a goal. Not only did the wise men come in search of the presence of God, and not only did shepherds come in the presence of God, here you and I sit this morning as still the searchers for the presence of God. Literally, the closer we are to the Lord, the more God can do for us. That needs to be the first avenue of our investigation. When things are not going right or the devil has lifted up a, an assault against us, always the first area of our investigation should be, is where am I with the Lord? <laughs> now, I mean, the presence of God, because the closer we are, the more real His promises are in all of our lives. Amen. That's, all, that's what we're talking about. But the first week we talked about the benefits. And my, aren't there just such tremendous supernatural benefits that are available to us in the presence of God. I mean, the Lord offers us supernatural love, supernatural joy, supernatural strength, supernatural giftings and wisdom and knowledge and God working out things and turning things around all in the presence of God. So, in the presence of the Lord, I think that's the first thing that Christmas tells us. That there is our search... For the closeness of God 
brings with it a great reward of benefit in our life. And then the second week we talk about in our Christmas season, we talk about hindrances that try to resist and obstacles that try to hold us out of the presence of God. Because not only did you get a savior, you also got a devil. And, and that devil it resists everything that God wants to do in your life. So you can tell when God's wanting to bless you because the devil begins to fight you. But you can stand against that. Amen. So the, the second week we talked about the hindrances. Now that's where that scripture, chapter Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 18, 17 and 18 really, begins to bring revelation to us. Because even in the Old Testament, the devil is so real in fighting people and resisting the will of God. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. The greatest revelation of Jesus in your life and my life, not that the devil is a good devil, but the greatest revelation is that Jesus can defeat that devil no matter what he's trying to do against your life. Powerful revelation. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was born as baby. Because he came because Jesus loved you so much and he saw the devil trying to pound on your head. And so Jesus said, I'm going to come and help you. I'm going to show you how to beat on the devil's head. And so it comes. So the second week, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25 is just so good in revealing to us the way the devil resists us. Uh, and it starts off like this. It says, never forget what the Amalekites did. <laughs> That because Amalekites in the Old Testament was a revelation of demon forces are the devil fighting against us. And so what it tells us here is never forget it. That's the way this scripture starts off. It says, do not forget the devil is against you. And said, do not forget it. And then he tells us when the devil is most successful against our lives. The next verse. It said, they attacked you, talking about these demonic forces called Amalekites. They attacked you when you were exhausted and when you were weary. And they struck down those who were straggling behind. Attacking those who could not keep up with the others. This showed that the Amalekites have no respect for God. I'm here to tell you the devil has no respect for you and no respect for God. It seems like we would feel, well, surely the devil will have mercy on me, seeing what I'm fighting. No, the devil has no mercy. The more he knocks you down, the more he wants to keep you down. So there's three areas that we really have to watch for. Number one is weary. Man, you've just been out there and you've grown tired. Man, you've been in a struggle going toward God's blessing. And this is revealed to a people that was coming out of bondage and they were on their way to God's promises in their life. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning, you're on your way to God's promises in your life. No matter what the devil is trying to tell you, no matter what he's trying to reveal to you, you're on your way to God's promises. Now, and the devil's strategy is the number one to weary you, to, to get you weakened under that load. And the second thing is to... Weary, the worn, and the worried. Those three categories tell us that the enemy is being successful to stop God in our life. So if you're here this morning, if you've been worn down, 
Honey, there's only one thing that will give you added strength in the midst of your battle, and that is the presence of God. The presence of the Lord has a supernatural strength that's associated with it, and it puts you back on the battlefield, honey. It'll put you back on front line. It'll put you back in the battle. It'll put you on the victory side. Amen. So it said they attack you when you're exalted. So the three things we have to watch for in our life is when I grow weary, when I grow worn, when I begin to wear down underneath his battles, then I begin to worry about it. Worry is not your friend. Somebody says, I can't keep from it. Well, that means the devil is stronger than God is in your life. The, the truth of the matter is, where I'm worrying, it tells me I'm believing the devil's words more than I'm believing God's words. It's not the situation has to change. I have to change. If I can change me, God can change it. <laughs> so I have to work toward God changing me in the midst of my life. But today we're going to talk about the third area. And we're not talking about the benefits. We're not talking about the hindrances. Today we're talking about the accessibility to God's presence to all of us. The God's accessibility, how accessible God is into all of our life. If you're here this morning and you're, you're being torn underneath your hindrances and the devil's doing everything that he can to fight against you and he's discouraged you in the benefit, I'm here to tell you, you're a prime candidate for the presence of God. You're a prime candidate to move. That's what Christmas tells us. It, it tells us, man, you can be a shepherd on that hillside. You can be tired and weary and worn, but you can still find Jesus. You can still find the presence of God in your life. And that's what God is working toward in all of our lives. You can do more in three seconds in the presence of God than you can do in your battle in five years. God can turn your battle instantly. You can work the rest of your life and never get a movement in your battle. Amen. So it's talk, I'm talking about two things. There's also in the presence of God, the, God's accessibility. There's a price to his presence. Um, the first price is paid by the Lord. Uh, he paid the biggest price. And, and literally, God paid the biggest price to be able to come because God wanted me to be close to Him. He knew I could not span the difference. So He took a giant leap and He spanned the difference. Heaven to earth. Jesus leaped. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a, 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 a space leap. I mean, He took a space leap, didn't He? And then the second price is my price. And that is this. My price is this. I'll do what it takes to get into the presence of God. There has to be no nothing held back. That I will do what it takes to get into the presence of God because the presence of God has the power within it to bring change in the midst of my life. Amen? That Christmas proves, Christmas proves to us that we can experience it. We can experience the presence of God that can make complete changes in our life. All right, just as the shepherds, man, in the situation they were in, but because they were willing to pay the price of whatever, whenever, however, in the middle of the night, they left their sheep, they even left their responsibility because they said, there's something that's more important than me being successful in this world, and that is I must be successful with God. I can do what it takes to move into the presence of God. Amen. 
We can experience His presence. Now, uh, Psalms uh, 27 verse 8 is so good in that uh, when it tells us that we can experience it. Somebody shout, we can experience it. Somebody shout, say, I can encounter Jesus. I can encounter His presence. Now, there's all different levels to the presence of God. Literally, the closer, by say closer. That's why the Bible uses the word closer or says be close to God. If we will move close to God, God will be close to us. That speaks to every one of us. That means you that are an inch away, you that are a mile away, or you that are ten years away from the presence of God. God says, if you can move closer, then Jesus can move closer to you. All right, in Psalms chapter 27, it said, I heard your voice in my heart say, this is what the psalmist said, I heard your voice in my heart say, come, seek my face. Now I wonder who would be saying that. Come, seek my face. And then it responds in this way. My inner being responded, Lord, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. Isn't that a great response? Amen. The ability. Now, in James chapter 4, 8, that's where it says, Jesus, New Testament says, come close. And God said, I'll come close to you. That one, one giant leap, you know, one man just, just, I make this little leap for man, and, and then God makes that big leap. Amen. He comes and spans the difference. Now, Psalms 32, it, it tells me the, the product of this, of me moving closer to God. I want you to listen to these words. They would just bring your life. It says, I hear the Lord saying. How many hear the Lord saying? Do you know that's the thing about being the presence of God? You notice this verse said, I would draw close to your face. Because it's the face of the Lord. In fact, that is the word presence in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the word presence is the word face. And, and that's being close enough to God to where you can hear Him, close enough to God to where you can see His eyes, and being close enough to God where He can touch you. That's what, the God, that's what the Bible classifies as the face of God. And God said, you've got to move into that place where you're close enough to hear me. You that are not hearing the voice of God in your life, you that's not hearing the voice of God over your circumstances, let me tell you, that's a sure assignment for failure, even though you're a Christian. If you can't hear the voice of God, that makes you powerless against the devil. God's intention was, Jesus said, my sheep, what? He's right. My sheep hear and know my voice. And so that's what, what the words of Jesus said. So, so that means the Lord's... Oh, and let's get back to the Scripture. They said, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway. That's what being in God's face does. He said, I will be close to you. And Jesus said, I'll instruct you and I'll guide you along the pathway for your life. He said, I will advise you along the way and I'll lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. Now, now that's so important because it says that God's eyes will be our guide, but it's not His guide, it's our guide. That's why that we must be close enough to God to see His eye. You know, when I see somebody off at a distance, I don't know if they're friend or foe. <laughs> but the closer they get, when they get to finally the place I can see their eyes, I can immediately tell you, can't wait. It said, so, and then he said, so don't make it difficult. Wow, that's what that scripture says. So don't make that difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. (laughs) Do you hear the words of the Lord? Don't be stubborn. You think you can make it without me? I'm sure God sits in heaven and laughs at that. We think we can make it without hearing God. We think we can make it without him. 
And what does he say? He said, don't be stubborn. I take you where you've not been before. Then notice what it says. Don't make me tug at you. That's what he said. He said, don't make me tug you and pull you along. He said, just come on. God said, don't make me tug you to be in my presence. Don't make me try to convince you that you need me. God said, jump up and realize that you need me in your life. And if your life's going to work, it's going to be the other way. I'm going to quickly talk about these little things, about the things I must do in my life if I'm going to be in the presence of God. Number one, I must believe. Everybody say believe. There's two Greek words that are associated with time. One of those Greek words is the word chronos. Now, now chronos is, is, is time in general. It's, it's you sitting on that seat. It's you saying, when's that pastor going to get through? It's, uh, it's oh, I wonder what she's cooking today. And... Uh, I can almost smell it. You know, that, that's what, I, I shouldn't talk like that because some of you that are led by your flesh, you're probably going to be leading out here in just a few minutes. So, <laughs> but, uh, but that's chronos. But, but that's not the one that, that's, that's going to help you. Because it, it, as long as your life is in chronos, what happens is things may work out, but it's going to take a long time. Is that what you want? Is that the life you want to live? Is that the life? I mean, some people, I'm glad that they got heaven because, men, their life's going to be rotten here. <laughs> you know, because unless heaven is there, I mean, this life's going to be terrible. I mean, if you don't have faith in God, you don't have trust in the Lord, if you're not getting closer to God, your life's going to be terrible here, even though you love Jesus. But one day, <laughs> you will go to heaven. <laughs> Amen. And then it won't be your faith. It'll be God's faith that will be able to. To work in your life. So what you want to do, you want to get out of this time element called chronos. You want to get into something supernatural. There's another Greek word for the word time. And it's the word kairos. Kairos says this. Kairos tells me that God is preparing a special time and a special way for my life to move out of this situation and God to change it. Kairos tells me because Kairos is a specific time that's been chosen by God to where your life's going to work out. There is a specific time. That is, if you're having faith. Somebody says, well, I don't have faith. I can't see nothing. Then, honey, you're going to never get to Kairos. (laughs) Because the Bible says that you have to be happy in the midst of your waiting on God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Isn't that what it says? It's what I'm hoping going to happen. I know I trust in the Lord even though I can't see it. Kairos time tells me there's going to be a time I'm going to see it. Amen. Now, that's why the presence of God is so important. You remember what we said earlier? I mean, when you're out of the presence of God, things just hunker on as they just hunker on. I mean, that wheel just going to turn around, going to turn around, going to turn around. But something happens when I get in the presence of God. All of a sudden, time begins to stand still and a different element of time comes in. And it's the element called kairos. 
Kairos tells me there's a specific time. If I'm believing God for my healing, there's a specific time that God's going to break through this thing in Jesus' name that my healing's going to manifest. Even though it was accomplished 2,000 years ago, as I stand on God's Word believing, Kairos tells me there is a time where that my healing is going to manifest. You that's been going through terrible financial situations, but you believe in God, if you're believing God and trusting the Lord, Kairos tells you. I'm going to tell you what was happening this morning. God was offering us Kairos moments here in this place today. God was offering us moments in His presence, I mean in the presence. Somebody said, well, I didn't feel anything, but how many did feel anything? <laughs> do, you, do you understand that the presence of God is like that? So, oh, anyway, the, the presence of God is I must believe. I've got to believe that God has a time and a set place. And, I'm, and God knows who I am. And God knows what I'm believing for. And God knows what I'm trusting in. And if I'll continue to hold on to His Word and stand on His Word, there is a Kairos moment coming in my life. At Bartimaeus had a Kairos moment. The woman with the issue of blood had a Kairos moment. Do you hear what I'm telling you? God's got a Kairos moment in His supernatural realm that's waiting on each of us to praise the Lord. Praise God. Uh, the, the Bible says, but not only is there, uh, once I believe, I, I've got to be ready uh, to, to leave. <laughs> I've got to leave. I leave what? I, I've got to leave some familiar things if I'm going to move into the presence of God. I've got to be willing to leave what I call comfortable, what I have begun to grow at ease and Zion on. I've got to be willing to change. I'm going to tell you what, some of us are not willing to change. And God's never going to be able to help us. But there has to be a willingness in ourselves, a willingness. God said, quit tugging with me. Quit fighting with me. Come on. You may have never been this way before. That's what that scripture says. You may have never been this way before. It's okay. I'm your guide. You can trust me, God said. Amen. And so God keeps offering us that walk. So I, we've got to leave. We've got to be willing to leave. I, I, I'll be willing to leave what I found to be comfortable. See, some of you are going to have to learn to praise God. Some of you are going to have to learn to worship God because the presence, the Bible says that praise and worship is what draws God into your life. If you want to fill up with God, you've got to learn. So there's a process, and I want, I'm trying not to deal with points or, or things that you have to do, but I'm just here to tell you there, God, there has to be a willingness to leave. The third thing is we've got to recognize Him. Man, I, I tell you, that, that's where our growing up has got to be. We've got to learn to recognize the Spirit of God. We've got to learn to recognize this, this presence. Now, the day that blind Bartimaeus was healed, how many of you think did not recognize that Jesus was the healer? How many in that multitude did not recognize that Jesus was the healer? On the day the woman received the issue of blood, how many did not recognize that Jesus was the healer and the deliverer? The day that he raised from the dead, how many others did not recognize that this man has the power to raise us from the dead? I'm telling you what, there must be a recognizing of the presence of God. 
Now you can get off and point and poke and doubt and unbelief all you want to, honey. And you're just going to sew your life up in a little jug that will one day drop off the end. But you'll end up in heaven. you get to heaven when you die. So but the thing of it is, we must allow ourselves to be drawn closer to the presence of God. We must learn to recognize Him. Now, now, far as Scripture, let me just real quickly give it to you. In Acts chapter 17, verse 37, it says that the will of God is this, that we should seek the Lord. That's the will of God, that we should seek the Lord. Somebody say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Let me tell you what God wants you to do. God wants us to seek the Lord. That is the answer. How can I change my situation, Pastor? This will remove probably 80% of the counseling out of your life. What God wants you to do, seek the Lord. What does God? God's got the answers for your life. God's got the plan for your life. God's got the answers that will turn your life around. What does God want? He wants you to seek the Lord. Amen. What does it say in Acts chapter 7? Now, I want you to, this is consummation of the book of Acts. This is what God tells us he, he want, God wants to happen in our life. And that's why in Acts chapter 17, he says that you would seek the Lord if happily that they might feel after Him. Do you know what's the will of the Lord? It's the will of the Lord that I would feel after the Lord. That's the will of God. That I would feel after the Lord. How many remember the day you got saved? Let me ask you another question. How many remember the day that your language got saved? How many of you remember the day that your thought life got saved? Let me ask you something. How many can remember the day that your entertainment got saved? It's not just that there's certainly there's three tenses in the Bible to my salvation. One thing, I was saved. All those years ago, I met Jesus Christ and I was saved. That means my name is written down in heaven. But there's another tense in the Bible that not only was I saved, I am being saved every day. Every day, God is working in our life. The word saved is worth so-so. And what it means is that God is bringing my life into healing. And God is... And so, so every day, every day, we're being saved. And there's another tense involved in the Bible when he talks about salvation. And one day Jesus will come and he'll carry me away and I shall be saved. Amen. So I was saved. What well, that means, my soul got saved. I went to heaven. But I, I, there's still a rotten here and now I'm putting up with. Today I'm being saved. But there will come a day when I shall be saved and my salvation will be complete. Well, I want you to know there's also a time where not only your language has to get saved. Not only does what you view get, has to get saved. Not only what you, your language and your talk and, and your feeling. All that has to go through a point where you yield it to the Lord and, and that becomes saved. But your feelings have got to get saved. You understand that? Your feelings have to be saved. My feelings have to mature. The, the, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that I have trained, the Bible says those that are mature, those that are growing in the Lord, have trained their senses, have trained their feelings to experience God and also to reveal to them the enemy. Uh, see, some of you, the devil just steals so much out of your life because you have no revelation, man. Ask the devil, that's my wife, we say, or, or that's my kids, or, and not realizing that God has a deeper revelation than that. 
that God has a revelation. So, so what that means is God wants me to train. My feeling, just like my language, how many languages used to be pretty bad? All right, how many languages still bad? No, don't, please don't raise your hand on that one. But, but, it, but it used to be. But what did it do? It met Jesus. Now, your soul met Jesus previously. But your language had to meet Jesus. And some of you, discouragement still rules your life. I'm going to tell you what, your discouragement needs to meet Jesus. You need that discouragement to get saved. Because when that discouragement gets saved, it's going to be encouragement. You understand? So what I'm saying is our feelings. I have felt. I, I know what it feels like to be discouraged. I know what it feels like to be down the dumps. I know what it feels like to feel deserted. I, I know what it feels like to be broken hearted. I know what it feels like. But I want you to know that's on the wrong side of the track. My feelings need to get saved. And my feelings need to get saved. And one of the major ways that my feeling needs to get saved, I need to begin to feel the presence of God. And I need to train my spirit to detect and know that and recognize. Or you know what's going to happen? If I don't train my feelings to recognize God's presence, what's going to happen is this. I'm going to be still sitting there when blind Bartimaeus was just healed right beside me. And I'm not going to be able to see it or to recognize it. I didn't recognize this was my moment. I didn't recognize that this was my Kairos moment. I didn't recognize it. I was too busy looking at my app or looking at my iPhone. I was too busy on those games. I, I was too busy to recognize this was my moment that God created in heaven for me. And God created this moment so that my life could change forever. <laughs> Tell the truth. Uh, the first way you honor the Lord is focusing on God. If you're focusing on your what those beans that your wife burned... You know, you're, you're going to have a real issue. Focus on God. Honor God by setting your attention on Him. Now, this message goes on and on and on. We've got a bunch of them, but I've got to stop. So. <laughs> so, I just want to encourage you. Make this Christmas so special to the Lord. And make this Christmas the same. As the wise men came. All the shepherds came. I'm coming too, Jesus. They wouldn't quit till they found your presence. I'm not going to quit, Jesus. Till I learn to recognize your presence. And I learn to respond in your presence. I'm not going to quit, Jesus. I may not even know how to respond, Lord, when the presence of God comes on me. I, I don't even know how Speak out your word and change my situation. Lord, I don't even know how to take your presence and change my world. But, but Lord, I'm starting. I'm starting. I boarded my camel. <laughs> I'm coming, Jesus. I'm coming, Jesus. I'm coming, Jesus. So it doesn't matter if you're 20 million miles away or inch away. We make that start. Wise men traveled for months. The shepherds traveled through the night.
It doesn't matter. What matters is that God sees our heart. And our heart says, I won't stop, God, until I find your presence. Because in your presence is these kairos moments of miraculous change. In your presence are these kairos moments of your promise, not only me believing and standing on that word, but in that kairos moment is going to be a fulfillment of that word that you believed. The ability to see. Paul's facing a tremendous storm. Everybody that's on board with Paul is going down. They only see the storm. But Paul only saw the Lord. He said, <laughs> He said, Take courage, man. Take courage. Because I saw something. <laughs> when you was in the presence of your problem, I was in the presence of the Lord. And there stood by me this night an angel that said, Fear not, Paul. <laughs> Fear not. You know, that's what we need in the midst of all of our storms. We just need somebody that's going to be in the presence of God that sees it from a different light. Somebody that's asleep on the pillow that's trusting God that will wake in a moment and begin to deliver a word that he hears inside here. That there's something about delivering a word that's inside here, out here. It is it, a resemblance of God on standing on nothing and stepping out on nothing and to let there be oh, how many times in my own life in my own marriage and my own finances and my own health does God want to step out and say let there be let's close with this I'm going to close with just a few scriptures I'm just going to read these scriptures and I want you to respond to it if you feel live the Lord there's something that there's there's one point that, that we've got to get to if if we're going to be in the presence of God. So it's the Lord gives us these wonderful little steps to get in the presence of the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to read this Psalms 32. Now what happens is David has just lost out the presence of God. He has just committed sin with his trusted friend's wife, and he's. Not only committed the sin of adultery, but now he's committed the sin of murder. David, not only does he feel he is a thousand miles away from God. He is so far away from God. And, and at that moment, David doesn't know what to do. David recognizes that, that the swinging of his sword or the wearing of his armor is not what wins the battles. It's the presence of God that's going ahead of him into the battle. David recognized it's not the smarts that he has of, of being able to form the government to lead a people. It's not what's going to make it a success. It's the quiet wisdom of God that's going to be poured into his soul that's going to bring change. So this is David's words to us. Psalms 32. What bliss belongs to the one whose rebellion has been forgiven. Those whose sins are covered by blood. What bliss belongs to those who have confessed their corruption to God. For he wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. 
before I confessed my sin, David said, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish, and misery. The pain never let up, David said. For your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, My life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin was washed away and all of my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all, David said. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in the time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you will be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness, your joyous shouts of rescue. Release my breakthrough. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way, and I'll lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug you or, or pull you along. Just come with me. So my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and the frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, He wraps His wraparound love will surround you. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful promise? I just want us to do something here this morning. Right in the very closing moment, I want us to come clean with the Lord. If there's things in your life that you felt convicted over, they can be certainly as small as, or be as large as. But the thing about it with God, if God's convicted my heart, then I must be willing to confess them before the Lord. Now, God's not asking you to confess them before this people. God's just asking you to respond to His forgiveness. If there's things that you need forgiveness for, I want you to join me right here in this altar. Would you just for a brief moment, would you do that right now? If there's things that you know that you need the forgiveness of the Lord for. If you know that. Before it gets tough, before it gets rough, before it gets to where we can't turn it around, we're going to turn it around with the Lord. We're going to trust in Him. We're, this is what we offer to the Lord for our Christmas. This is our first journey into His presence. 
This is the first little step that we're moving into the presence of God. This is our first little step that we're giving to the Lord. This is our first step of our miracle that God has for us in our moment life. This is our first step toward our Kairos moment that God has predestined us. I'm going to ask the music to come up and just for a brief moment, you only have a brief moment with you, just talk to the Lord about it right there. It's not to us, it's only to the Lord. It's only to the Lord. Yes, Lord. Just talk to the Lord. He listens to you. You don't, have, you don't even have to use good English. He understands you. Talk southern, he'll talk southern back. God loves you. God loves you. Just say, Lord, I, I just confess this. I'm facing something I can't turn around, God. But Lord, I can come clean with you. I can do that, Lord. I can come clean to you.